Hello and welcome to episode 870 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, December 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Justin, it's December, dude. How's it going? Oh, man. We're, we're getting closer, right? It's almost really draft season. I mean, I've been drafting the whole way through, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, you've done 42 drafts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're in the midst of, like, seven others. But, I mean, it's <laughs> December, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's like, we're, 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 we're pushing through here. Um, you know, before you know it, you'll have your baseball HQ forecaster. Uh, the new year will hit. Uh, you'll, you know, you know, you pick up the black fantasy black book. Mm-hmm. Friends with fantasy benefits draft guide. I mean, and then before you know it, it'll be draft time. Here's a question that's kind of dark that I'm going to ask. Ooh, you think we're doing live drafts in 2021? 2021? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, unless I things change um drastically for the better yeah it's kind of that's kind of where i'm at right now too hopefully we're we're at least doing the drafts you know for the, for the league to start up and then but you know what i i don't want to go too dark with it let's uh i got, let's, I got let's a bunch of that. friends who are like booking their trip to vegas and stuff like that and i'm like you know i have not booked my trip to new york yet uh, for Tout Wars and uh, yeah. the main event and all that, and I, I don't have any plans to do so for at least a while. I mean, I, I definitely want to see things be different. I mean, when do you think the season will actually start? I think it's the better question. Yeah, see, I started this down a real dark path mm-hmm. that I don't really want to discuss. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, late April? Yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome. Something uh, like that. Yeah. I feel like more like June is is the right yeah, answer. Yeah, that's probably more correct, to be honest. So maybe we split the difference and we're, we're talking mid-May. Okay, let's let's do that. So. That would work. So yeah, no, that's, that's where we're at right now. Uh, but we're going to talk some baseball as we do throughout the fall and winter. And uh, we're continuing our discussion about shortstops. Still plenty to discuss. We're not even getting through all of them today, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna end up being a three-parter here at shortstop. Uh, we got a few guys that we're gonna be skipping over, uh, or giving them a real brief talk since they were discussed at another position or in our free agent uh, chatter that we did when we broke down some, some early free agents. Let's start with uh, I think it was the ninth or twelfth shortstop. I should have counted how many there were. Let's see if I can do that real quick here. Our first guy is Glaber Torres going. He's the 10th guy. Glaber Torres at uh, ADP of 65. Javier Baez at 73. And we're going to talk about those two first. Uh, actually, no, wait. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm getting too co- too quick into shortstops. I forgot about our transactions. Mm-hmm. We're starting to get some trickle in transactions of note. Like, this is notable. This is not game changing, but it is notable. Pardon me on Glaber and Javier Baez. First, Mike Miner to KC, back to KC, I should say. Remember, he went there in the midst of his uh, recovery from a shoulder, I want to say, and uh, relieved there for a year. Really established himself. Like had a great season, Mike Miner did, uh, coming back from that injury and throwing like 75 high-quality innings. Shar agrees. Back in 2017 with the Royals and then joined on with Texas, had two great years. Last year, a little bit rough. Went to Oakland. Never really righted the ship. But Mike Miner, back to KC. First questions first. 
Starter or reliever? I think he's a starter. I think you think that. I think so too. It's a two-year deal. Um, I don't think I don't think we have the money on on it, uh, and I don't know if we have any quotes on whether or not he would be starting. Or I, I would I would pick starting. Like I would default to that until we hear from them, and they say relief. Um, but I, I'm so I'm with you. Let's 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 analyze Miner as a starter with KC on the heels of last year. Where where, where do you stand with him currently? I mean, I know he was atrocious um, in 2020, but I kind of give him a bit of a pass uh, okay. and think that he is kind of the one of those end-game volume guys uh, that will give you a little bit added strikeouts. I mean, he did throw or 208 innings in 2019. Um, you know, I mean... He does. He does typically have at least a palatable whip, uh, yeah. if not uh, a good whip for your team to kind of help stabilize ratios. I mean, if you if you kind of wipe away last year, the previous three seasons, he had an ERA of four eighteen or better. So he's you know I mean he's kind of a late you know game uh, you know stabilizer if you've taken more risky pitching options early on. So. Uh, if, if you believe that he'll bounce back, and I, I kind of tend to want to believe that. He is 33 years old, but the Royals don't have much uh, in that rotation at the moment. They could bring well, up guys. That part I disagree with a little bit. I think they've got a nice little rotation cooking, and I think Miner fits right into it. It's like a, it's like a veteran youngster medley. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Duffy Miner, Mike Miner, Dan Duffy, Brad Keller, kind of on the uh, you know more established side. Keller actually probably fits more with the other two. So Duffy and Miner are the uh, the the veteran stalwarts, and then Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Chris Bubich on the come up, and uh, you know they all all three of them look pretty solid. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's like a decent one to five there. I think that they can uh, you know have a competitive outing. Mm-hmm. Every fifth, every day there, uh, in their rotation, I think Miner is a decent bounce back candidate. It really comes down to health. He didn't seem like he was hurt last year, so you know, home run spiked. Um, that was really the major difference in his season. And you know, would that have smoothed out over the course of six months? It's, it's just so hard mm-hmm. analyzing these two month seasons because you're like, well, that could have been two months in the middle of a season. And we would have never really noticed it, or you know, it, it, he could have overcome it with four other good months. I, I tend to lean with you though that I would take a shot on Miner. Um, the strikeouts were still there. In fact, his strikeout rate went up compared to 19 when he had an amazing season. And I think there's still juice in the tank here for age 33 Miner. I'm going to be looking at him as a late asset. I think going to KC does not affect his price at all. That no one's going to be like, oh, now he's on KC. Let me boost Mike Miner up my list. Um, so yeah, I, I see him as a good late round option. Yeah, he's going to pick three fifty five currently on NFBC, and that's really around the time in which like starting pitching starts to drop off. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you've got guys going around him. Spencer Howard, I'd probably take Howard. 
Um, or I definitely would take Howard. Dylan Cease, I'm probably... I think I'd take mine. I think it's really what you're looking for at that point. Are you looking for a guy with, you know, an extreme amount of upside? Because I still see that upside in Cease. Sure. Or are you looking for... Have you taken too many Dylan Cease types? Yeah. And do you yeah. need someone to stabilize kind of the back end of your rotation? I think that's fair. Yeah, let, let your let your rotation to that point dictate where you go. Sometimes you're looking for a little bit more stability and and a, and a floor versus something over the top. Um, so yeah, I, I I totally get that uh, with minor, but I I think this is a, a quality move from them. And um, you know when they have so many good young guys coming up, you do need some guys to steer the ship though. And and Duffy and Minor should be able to do that and help these two guys along. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. You I, added a, yeah. another move to the list here. T- tell me about this. What's going on? Uh, Michael A. Taylor to Kansas City on a one-year deal um, with incentives. I I mean, I know, like, he... I think he, right now he's projected to be a platoon guy um, and have the short side, but the guy he's projected to platoon with is Franchi Cordero. Okay. And as much as I think everybody loves the idea of Franchi Cordero, at some point yeah. we have to be honest about what Franchi Cordero has done, which is not stay on the field. Nothing. Yeah. Um, and so we're talking about going to a Kansas City team uh, that, in spite of Mike Matheny coming there, they ran. They were tied for the fourth most stolen bases in all of baseball. And one of the things Michael Taylor can do uh, is run. Now, he didn't steal any bases in 2020, but, uh, I mean, he has got a 24 stolen base season back in 2018. Um, and with more playing time, and there's been a lot of injuries to that outfield in Kansas City, like, he could become a real interesting guy if he's able to secure full-time playing time. I actually took him, uh, I believe, in the last round of my most recent draft and hold uh, because the news had come out. Yeah, I, I like this. Um, this could definitely work into something fantasy relevant. He's 30 years old. We know the flaws that, that Michael A. Taylor has. I mean, you look, 1,804 plate appearances of a 237, 291, 395. You know what you're getting, but 53 homers, 77 stolen bases. Two double-doubles in there. 14 homers, 16 steals back in 15 and 19 and 17 back in 2017 with a 271. That was a really good season there for Michael A. Taylor. So with some playing time, you're suggesting that he could finagle his way into a full-time role. Uh, you know, if if Franchi doesn't come through, and then just by sheer volume, all of a sudden there's some value there for, for Michael Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Hunter Dozier has not been the healthiest of guys. Uh, they could easily, you know, if the Nicky Lopez experiment uh, continues to work out the way it's been working, they could easily move Whit Merrifield back to second. Um, and then you're talking about outfield of guys like Franchi Cordero, uh, guys like Bubba Starling. Um, Oliveris is still there, right? Um, yes, I actually yeah. like Edward Oliveris. I like Oliveris a lot, too. Uh, but, I mean, I think there's paths to playing time for him uh and he's just one of those guys that you know good defender and uh and he has you know some speed and some power to his game 
you know, he's going super late. We're talking about yeah. a guy whose ADP right now is 719, and he's only gone in 9 of the 28 drafts so far done on NFBC this year. I think that'll start to change. Mm-hmm. At least for like the fifty round draft and holds, I think that's where yeah, that's where uh, Taylor's deep, best deep, draft. deep leagues. Yeah, that's a good call. All right, now we move on to shortstops and we get back into those first two guys there: Gleyber Torres at sixty five ADP and Javier Baez at seventy three. Um, you know, I put them as as still potential stars, right? They're they're right there. Uh, if there really wasn't such a jump from where uh, we finished. With Tim Anderson at pick 37, I, I might have kept Torres and Baez with that first group there, uh, but that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big drop down from those first nine there. There's nine shortstops going within the top 37 picks, and then we jump to Torres and Baez at 65 and 73 respectively. Between those two, since their pads are going to be you know kind of overlapping there, Torres is going earlier. Mm-hmm. He has a 10 pick. Uh, lower min at 53 to 63, but they're living in the same range. So who do you prefer between Torres and Baez? Hmm. I mean, I prefer them about, I like them about the same. I mean, I guess I give a little bit of a bump to Torres just because I think it's a better lineup in New York. Um, and he tends to bat towards the top of it. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know that there's a huge difference. And I can definitely see the argument for Baez considering his stolen base ability. Now, I mean... How, how much you putting on Baez for a god-awful season this year? But a two-month season, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where, where, where are you at on that? I mean, I think he got pretty unlucky in terms of uh, his BABIP this year. I mean, a 262 BABIP, when we're talking about a guy that the previous three seasons pretty much had a 345 BABIP. I mean, his three BABIPs in, from 2017 to 2019 were 345, 347, 345. Um, and then, he hits, then he's got a 262 BABIP that averaged just craters. Um, I, I think you, you know, give him some, you know, positive regression or progression back in that. I saw people say that they hated the term positive regression on Twitter. So I don't, I don't know. I, saw that too. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say, but, um, normalization, I guess, uh, yeah. to the BABIP and you're looking at a guy who's probably hitting 255 and, you know, in a full season, if we get a full season, he's right back to, you know, 25 to 30 home runs and double-digit stolen bases. Uh, so, like, I I think these are buying opportunities for both these guys. The hard part is that there's so many good shortstops above mm-hmm. them that it's hard to want to. And neither of them have the multi-position eligibility that made them really, really, in, you know, even more interesting yeah. than they were. Uh, in previous years. Well, you know, get somebody in that top nine and then uh, and then throw these guys, these guys at, at middle. The hard part, you know, though, is second base is so deep that it's like I tend to want to wait on yeah, no, my middle um, for, you know, one of the second basemen. Um, I hear you, or even another shortstop even later. Yeah. Um, so I get that. I, I do. I do get that. And uh, 
You know, the tough part is pulling the trigger on the guy who was god-awful the year before. Mm-hmm. And both these guys were pretty bad. You know, Torres only had three homers, 243 average, 724 OPS. Baez was comically bad. I mean, he had eight homers, but 203, 238, 360 was his slash line. And so, you know, he could have hit four or five more homers, and it wouldn't have been enough to carry that line. That line was just really, really, really rough. But do we believe he's going to hold that? Like, that's his new level. My only concern with Baez is that, you know, those high contact mm-hmm. uh, profiles, they, they can have shorter primes, you know, um, because it, it, things catch up to them with regards to not being able to make consistent contact. And that that is a little bit of a concern for me with Baez. But I, I'm not ready to completely write him off. And so, yeah, if you wait on shortstop, if you're stacking everywhere else and you get to this point here, it's not a bad idea to consider one of these two on a buyback. And if you have the stomach to buy back on uh, on guys who were terrible the year before, especially after a two-month season, a lot easier off of that than a six-month buyback, then I think you go for one of these two guys here. I think um, I'd take either, and my preference would be... My preference would be toward Tor- Torres. I kind of wanted a bigger discount on Baez for as bad as he was, but I get why that's not there. His heights uh, reached are too high. To send him too far down. So that's Torres and Baez. Now we jump down 27 picks to our next <laughs> top of our next group here. Dansby Swanson, your favorite, going to pick 100. Carlos Correa, 126. Jonathan VR, 133. Marcus Simeon, talk briefly about him. Uh, we talked we talked about him in the free agency, 142. And we're going to skip guys who are multi-positional when we talked about them in another one. And that is the case for Tommy Edmond at second base. Pick 144, Dita Gregorius 156, and Jake Cronenworth was also discussed at second base. He's pick 162. So let's start with Dansby, uh, who's creeping his way back up. Is that pushing you back into your Dansby hate circle that he used to live in? No, I mean, not Dansby hate circle. Um, I mean, he w- he was very good in, uh, in 2020, but I think the... Uh, concerns I have for a guy like Swanson um, are the you know same kind of concerns that I've had for him previously, which are like he doesn't have necessarily a, ta- a carrying tool um, that is exciting in fantasy. Like I, I don't necessarily think he's a thirty home run hitter. Or he's not a twenty stolen base guy. Um, and then the health. Yes, he played all sixty games. That's, you know, in 2020, that's awesome. But he's also been a guy that had never played more than 144 games at the Major League level. And in the previous three seasons to 2020, each season he played less games. So, you know, he, he was one of those guys that, you know, maybe people thought, hey, if he stays healthy, he's gonna he could be a stud. And, you know, and in some ways he was. Um, though I'd argue, was he really a stud? I, I don't know that he necessarily was. Uh, at pick a hundred, like I don't think that's a bad spot for him. Um, I just don't know that I'm gonna end up with Dansby, Dansby Swanson on any team because there are just too many guys I like more than him uh, that are already going ahead of him. A few that are going behind him that I like a little bit more, um, and he just he doesn't he isn't that special. Like I mean, what is the difference between? him and Marcus Simeon, a guy going at 142, except for Simeon has a longer track record. Um, 
Well, you know, who's going to run more? How, how much does Simeon run? And Simeon has one great season, um, which is good. But the rest is, like, his 2020 for Simeon fits the rest of his career and further makes 19 look like a, a tremendous outlier. He, he does have more track record. You're definitely right about that. Um, partly by virtue of just being three years older, but also to the fact, you know, he plays, he, he plays every year except uh, 2017 where he only had 85 mm-hmm. games. So I, w- I will grant that. But I think Dansby Swanson is like, you could call him at least the, the younger Simeon. Yeah. And but you're you're getting you're getting Simeon forty two picks later. Okay, but I would take the upside of the guy who I think could could still have his MVP caliber season, the way Simeon did. And let me let you uh, let me let this soak into your mentals. You said he's not a twenty steal guy. Are you sure? He has never been lower than eighty eighth percentile on sprint speed. Uh, he's got pretty good home to first times. It was a little lesser last year at uh, 4.35 down from 4, 4.21 the year before. But he can run. Uh, Swanson Swanson can run a bit, and I actually would contend that he is a 20-homer guy, or a 20-steal guy, particularly if we start to find that playing time coming through. I mean, he's he's averaging 13 per 162 the last three years um but he was on a big breakout pace swanson was before the injury in 2019 and then if you get really stupid and just kind of like uh two and a half three x his his 2020 numbers which you shouldn't do but let's do it because it fits my argument okay (laughs) uh then he looks really good no i i don't know that he would have kept his 60 game pace for you know for the for the rest of a full season, but we did see a previous a breakout in the works before the injury in nineteen. We saw another strong sixty games here. I don't know. I think Swanson, like I said, is younger Simeon. Do you want three years or forty two picks? I'll take the guy three years younger, with the upside to still do his best work. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a debate. Um, I, I think I think you can go either way, honestly, um, I, and I think. Wherever Marcus Simeon lands, you know, uh, you know, because he's a free agent, will determine like what the actual answer is. Like, it, that if, will play a role too. Yes, 100%. yeah. If Simeon ends up in, you know, a place like, uh, you know, I haven't even heard this, but Miami. Let's say Simeon signs a deal in Miami. Okay. Um, Miami was second in stolen bases. You're breaking that news, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Screw you, Craig Mish. I'm the Miami Marlins insider now. Fourteen year deal to Miami, <laughs> reported by Justin Mason of Friends with Fantasy Benefits only. But or here's one. You know, he goes to Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, you Simeon. know, Simeon, um, which is one of the places that he could easily land because they're looking likely for a shortstop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Philadelphia. You know, was eighth in the league in stolen bases last year. Um, I think I like that a bit more than Swanson now. Now, you yeah. know, let's say he ends up on a team like the Tigers, who didn't steal bases. Well, then, okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm pushing more towards uh, Swanson. Then, either way, I think Swanson should be going around the 140 
that Simeon is and not in the top 100 or at 100. I'm okay. I'm okay agreeing to that uh, with regards to him going maybe a little bit high. I wonder if he's going to hold that ADP. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm surprised that there's some love for him. i got to be honest. I, it's a little well, bit higher than I expected to see Swanson go. If you give me a second, I am working on an article right now that is tracking all the ADPs um, going up, or you know, whether people are gaining or losing the ADP, and I think I had already done hitters. I'm, I'm curious to see if Swanson is, because I don't know. Like I don't know if he's going to move any lower in shortstop because he's 25 picks away from Correa, but will he hold the 100 himself or move, you know, closer to like 112? He, he's been moving up uh, over the course of the last month. He's gone up 14 picks um, and, and, and a little bit more man. now because he's at 100, so 16 picks, 116 to 100. Okay. Well... I don't hate it. Like you know, I made a, I made a rather, at least moderately impassioned case for for Swanson. I do like him. I, I really do. I just, I think I do come out where you do mostly though with regards to shortstop's depth being the main reason that I would pass here. Mm-hmm. And I don't um, hate him anymore. So people, you know, I mean, it's yeah, you know, it was, has kind of died. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think he is who he is, and I think he's a a, a very fine player, and I like the fact that. Uh, I mean, unless Atlanta does something to move him down the lineup, if they go sign a big bat and he's now batting sixth or seventh again, um, you know, like he he should bat towards you know top three or four in that lineup. So yep. uh, as currently constructed, uh, so like I think he's a fine player, just not a guy I'm going to end up with because of the depth of the upper tiers of shortstop and some of the lower guys that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can get behind all of that. Uh, his price would take a plummet at this point, and the it would take an extenuating circumstance for that. At which point, I don't know if I would want him because of that. So probably not going to end up with a lot of Swanson. I do acknowledge that he is a good player, and uh, I can see myself maybe getting him more in auctions where I have a little bit more control over everything I'm doing. I could see his price diverting from the ADP a bit more at auction. Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe people just love him. Maybe people just love him. I, I, I'm a little bit surprised that he's at 100. It kind of it's depends like a, on where he comes out in an auction in terms of, you know, is he the last of, like, yes. you know, some of these options that are... Or are there 12 more and mm-hmm. you get him, like, $4 cheaper than He's one he of those be. guys that goes against what I think is conventional wisdom at an auction, which is uh, don't, don't throw out the guys you like. Um, yes. And I think this is one of those situations where, no, you want to throw this guy out early before some of the bigger names come out because people will be saving money for the Trey Turners um, and the Tatises and the Stories and Lindora. And if you throw him out before some of those guys, or the Bichettes especially, um, yeah. or, or the Seekers of the Mondeses, um, if you throw Dansby Swanson out early... Some people are like, well, there's too many other guys that are interesting, and you might be able to get him for a discount in an auction. Yeah, if you're, especially if you're like willing to pay standard price. Okay, maybe he just goes there and mm-hmm. fine, you move on. But you could catch you could catch a real discount there. I agree. Based on the depth of shortstop, people might not be ready to commit to somebody they see more as an MI 
early in the draft. So, uh, yeah, Swanson, good stuff there. Let's move on to Correa at, at 126. Um, he was pretty crummy in, in the regular season. Five homers, 22 runs, 25 ribbies, 264 average, just a 97 WRC plus for Carlos Correa. But he got going in the playoffs like a lot of the team did. Like, I have... Like I have every confidence that that team would not have finished under 500 in a full mm-hmm. season. That's why when they when they were the sub 500 playoff team, I was like, okay, they're a known commodity. And then they played and showed that they were better than a sub 500 team. And Correa was a big part of that. He dominated. He actually hit more homers in the postseason, 13 <laughs> games with six homers than he did in all of the regular season. Is that good? When I said. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, that's good for the playoff. It's not so good for the regular season. And he played 58 games in the regular season, by the way. So he mm-hmm. played the full regular season, only hits five, comes into the playoff, pops six, hitting 362, 455, 766. I'm curious for you where you come out on guys like this profile that, that uh, were mediocre or bad in the regular season but then came and dominated the playoffs. H- how are you interpreting those particular players? Is it with the weirdness of the two-month season and then a, a, is a playoff run enough for you to be like, that's my lasting imprint, not the regular season? Or do you treat it like you would any other playoff where you're like, hey, that's still a really small sample even in comparison to the 60-game season? Because I don't know exactly where I'm at right now, but I'm curious where you are. I think it's one of those things where it just adds to the small sample of the regular season. So instead of having a 58-game sample for Carlos Correa, we now have a 71-game sample, mm-hmm. which is a bigger, better sample. Sure. And so uh, it's, it's I think, a little bit more useful, um, especially the fact that they expanded the playoffs, um, and we get a little bit, you know, there are more teams that were involved, and so we get just some extra numbers. You know, I think Max Muncy's another one of these guys where, like, yes. he was so bad in the regular season, um, and then he, you know, was himself. He did exactly what we kind of expected him to do in the playoffs. And we go, okay, now I feel more comfortable about saying I'm going to wipe away a lot of 2020 and really kind of project what I thought he was coming into 2020 because we saw that in the playoffs. Um, Correa, I think, is uh, a little bit of that example. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to project him to hit 362 and, you know, and 70 home runs (laughs) in the the regular season for uh, 2021, but... Uh, I do think he is primed to buy, and I've already got him on a number of teams, and this is a guy that I've, you know, trashed in the past. Uh, but I think this is this is the you have per- indeed. Yeah, I, it seems it's interesting that these guys are kind of back to back. But I do think that at one twenty six, like it's it's a really nice buying opportunity, especially if you've missed out on you know some of the uh, studs or you want to fill that. Util uh, that util spot early, or not util? Yeah, am I spot early? Um, I'm with you on on pretty much all of that, down to the fact that I'm I'm open to buying Correa. Um, I, I I have not applied. Here's one thing I will say: I've not applied anything um, consistently with the 2020 season, with regards to who's getting a pass, who's not. 
mm-hmm. who's playoff, you know, is, is is like a big boost. And I, I just I just have to admit that because that's where I'm at right now. I'm just kind of playing that, you know, because the history of the player matters too. Yeah, I'm not just universally taking the uh, playoffs and adding this much to it if it's every player, and I'm not taking off this much. I'm still going case by case. With Correa, I see, okay, he was himself. He was the, the beast that we saw in 2019 and that we've seen throughout a lot of his career in the playoffs. He was mediocre. Or, you know, 92, uh, what did I say, 97 WRC plus in the regular season for Correa. That's basically, you know, he's like league average, turned it on. I have a positive outlook on him. I would take him over Swanson right there. Like, we're mm-hmm. just, just those two. Just a round plus difference is enough mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I'm already out on Swanson because of that, not because of Swanson. So yeah. I, I'm with you on Correa. Let's talk about another guy who struggled. And he did not come through in the playoff because he was actually uh, – oh, no, he was traded onto a playoff team, but he was traded from one to another, but it didn't matter. Just an awful year from Jonathan VR. And I know – I know I said this at one point that he was going to trick us again after the 19 <laughs> season. And I still ranked him up. I, this, this is actually not even a victory lap. If anything, it, it's the opposite because I didn't fully go against him. I just knew it was a possibility that we were getting duped again. I was willing to be duped and be like, you know, you know, listen, he might not be, he's not gonna be 24, 40 again. He's gonna be on the Marlins. I like that Marlins hitting which was actually the worst part of their team. Uh, no, he was a nightmare. Two homers, 16 steals, 232, 301, 292, 66 WRC+. Got markedly worse with the Blue Jays, by the way. The The Marlins traded him at a 259 average and an 82 WRC+. plus. He goes 188 and 40 mm-hmm. with the Jays. Uh, steals seven bases and 79 plate appearances, but nobody had him around for most of those seven steals. Where do you come out on VR now? He's 30. Um, am I tripping, or is he, a, is he a free agent again? He is a free agent, yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. So we don't know where he's going to be. Mm-hmm. We don't even know if he's going to get on a team where he starts. You know, you We talk don't know about, if he's even going to get on a team. I, I mean, mean I, I see how Puig didn't, so I think it's, it's at least... Yeah. You know, it, it, if Yasiel Puig doesn't automatically get one, then Jonathan VR automatically doesn't automatically get one, except he plays up the middle, which helps. But um, he's not he's like not particularly good, good at it. Yeah, he's not good defensively. So, but he plays all three up the middle yeah, positions, meaning including center field. So second, short, center. That that's going to help you. But your point is taken. I agree. If again, if Yasiel Puig can't get a guaranteed job off of a quality, you know, solid season, then I don't think that. Uh, VR should be a locked-in type of guy off of a disastrous season. But then uh, wh- wh- where where do we stand with him as far as early drafts? And you've been doing a ton of early drafts. Are you just avoiding Jonathan VR universally then? Especially at his price, you have to. I yeah, mean, 133 right now. That I mean, I don't, I, I don't know in what world you can take Stone Jonathan bases, VR over Jake Cronenworth. I, I totally agree with you. I'm just telling you why. It, I, it's, I know, it's, and, it's, and I love stolen bases, and I typically love these kind of guys. Um, but at 133, they're, I mean, you're just not getting a big enough discount for what he did no, in 2020. I totally agree with that. Uh, 
And I mean, I, I, and I'm a and I'm a Jonathan VR guy. I was actually pretty bummed coming into the season last year that I did not get him anywhere. <laughs> um, so saved. Yeah, I mean, I you know saved by just happenstance because I wasn't avoiding him. Um, mm-hmm. He just you know he just never fell to the right spot to me uh, in the drafts I was in. Um, that being said, I mean there is a huge amount of upside. We've seen this guy be you know a second round talent. Um, and more than that, you know, in, in brief stretches. So, I mean, if he drops, uh, in price, um, then yeah, I'm, I'm totally about it. But I mean, at 133, that is just, that's just way too expensive, um, to be, uh, to be doing. Yeah. I just, I just can't do that. Yeah. I'm trying I'm to, I'm trying to see where his ADP is moving right now. I'm uh, fully out because of this VR price. Everyone left in this group, I would rather have, and then most of the next group. There's he, no. He is way. moving down. Okay, so good. He's he's he moved, moved down, down like seventy picks. I'm not even kidding. He's moved down about fourteen picks over the last month. Um, okay. And I mean, you know, people say, "Well, that doesn't seem like a lot." That's, I mean. We're talking like most guys are moving down teens um, at this point. There's, you know, very few guys uh, that are moving down um, by, you know, in the top 250 that are moving down by like more than 20 picks. And, and yeah, like currently the list is eight players have moved uh, more than 20 picks down since the beginning of the drafts. Um, and one of it those is Clevenger. So. And that's because he—he's done for the year. Yeah, yeah, he's toast. He'll move, he'll continue to jump down way, way, way down. Yeah, I, and I think you know, if, if VR, the, the tough part about drafting him is again the the lack of a spot and the uncertainty of like he could feasibly not get a spot. Mm-hmm. Like it could take like a really long time. Um, I do think I, I I really don't think he will go the way of Puig though because of the triple eligibility that is second short center field. Um, you know you talked earlier about you know like the Tigers signing somebody. Br actually makes a little bit of sense for them. They don't run though. Mm-hmm. Would they let Would they let him? You know you get your personal green light, but then you got you know. Well, and uh, with a new manager, maybe they do run a little bit more. True. And you know what? I'm no, looking Hinch at wasn't now. a guy that ran in in it uh, in Houston. So, but but you know they you know, um, Altuve still got his bases. Like guys who could steal still got their opportunities to do so. I don't know that VR would be slowed down completely as a Tiger. Although I am looking at it, maybe he isn't a great fit though because Willie Castro should absolutely play. Should at least mm-hmm. see what they have with him. Um, but then good run at short. And Jacoby Jones in center. Neither are studs, but wouldn't you rather play the twenty both those twenty nine year olds over VR? Yeah, I mean, so, if you're, you're going to allocate, um, you know, money to to a free agent, is it really is VR the guy you want to allocate to? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, to I me, still think seems Pro like, Far is a good signing for them. Yeah, if I, they're going to go, I think that'd be interesting that route. I, he's two years younger. I think VR is going to find himself on a team where he's playing that super util role. 
Yep. Where he doesn't even have mm-hmm. a, a guaranteed spot off rip. So do not take him at this point. Um, you got to let that play out and then see where he drops to in the in the spring drafts. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you want to see VR anywhere near a team of mine, I'm not drafting him with that uncertainty. Sometimes that uncertainty can be very useful. You can mm-hmm. arbitrage that into some excellent pickups. This is the opposite case where you need to see where he is later in the uh, in the draft season for Jonathan VR. All right, let's continue to move on here. Marcus Simeon, we t- we discussed him a bit in the free agent uh, preview there, so we're not going to do too much on Marcus Simeon except to ask about this 142 ADP and how you feel about it. Uh, we talked about putting him on some different teams. The Angels, I believe we mentioned. Philly is a team. Angels and Philly are two teams that uh, I think every shortstop's getting rumored mm-hmm. uh, onto. We don't know exactly where Simeon's going to land. He's coming off of a, a tough season after the brilliant 19. Is 142 something that you're willing to pay? Is that a big enough discount off of a seven homer, four steal, 91 WRC plus season for Marcus Simeon? I mean, willing to pay and likely to pay are two different things. So, I mean, willing to pay, yes. I, I think that is a fair price for Marcus Simeon. I do think he will bounce back wherever he lands. Uh, I mean, he can't, and he can't land in a, like a, I mean, well, he, I guess he could land in a worse park, but there's very few parks where he could land that is actually going to be worse for him um, mm-hmm. in terms of his power. So, uh, I, I like Marcus Simeon. I've always been a Marcus Simeon guy. I just doubt he ends up on a team of mine because, like, I don't, I don't know that I would even take him over Tommy Edmond or Jake Cronenworth. Um, yeah, I would or, not take him over Cronenworth personally. Yeah, well, you love Cronenworth. I mean, I, I you, do. you're, you're I the do godfather indeed. to his baby. Um, <laughs> so. That was nice of him to do. I, it was it was weird. It but, was absolutely weird. I think it was a preventative measure in mm-hmm. hopes that I would stop writing about him and stop talking yeah. about him a little bit. Like, but now, now you have me. to come to like family like birthdays and stuff like that. It, it backfired on him. Yep, yeah. I'm everywhere now. I'm everywhere. But I agree, 20 picks cheaper, I would take Cronenworth. I will say also, by the way, Semyon threw on seven big playoff games to really give you that good lasting mm-hmm. impression. Two homers, 407, 448, 667 in 31 plate appearances. Nice little run to finish the season, give you that last little taste of MVP-type Simeon, um, in case you're worried. Yeah, I agree with you. Willing to take versus actually taking, this is not an unfair price. I would pay this. Um, I would be fine with either the Angels or the Phillies for him um, among any other team, really. I, I'm not sure there's a bad squad. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that there could maybe be a, you know, what, going to San Francisco is the worst park, but... And he's not going to San Francisco with them exactly. having, yeah, exactly. So and with with them closing that gate and it, it becoming Hitters Park, it's actually not a worse park. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but we don't know where what what the situation is going to be in uh, twenty one. But I don't know. Like I think everything's more or less an upgrade. There really aren't too many other spots where it could actually work against Simeon. So should get a park upgrade. Hopefully, doesn't get too much of a lineup downgrade going from Oakland. I think he's going to go to another contender. I think he is a contender type pickup. But Edmund, Cronenworth, even a couple guys in the next group that I like that I would rather pay for cheaper, even if they don't have kind of the track record of mm-hmm. Simeon. So I just won't end up with him too much. Uh, let's skip Edmund. We talked about him at second base. Go ahead and jump on second base. He's at 144. You're willing to pay that, I imagine, yes? Yeah. 
I mean, there I there that... are definitely some concerning things about Edmund's profile. Um, but I do like him. I mean, he he's fast. <laughs> he's, he's got that speed. Wow. He, yeah, he's got he's got the speed, and I think that the the fact he only stole two bases. Um, and was caught four times, I think will scare people off. But, I mean, he was like 98th percentile in uh, in sprint speed. 95th percentile in sprint speed. Uh, good defensive player, so he's going to stay on the field. Uh, is multi-eligible, like eligible everywhere, um, depending on your format. So, at, I mean, in, in NFBC, he's second, third, short, and outfield. Oh, that's really nice. I still have a sticky note that says Edmonds CS. I still want to look up how he was caught stealing four times mm -hmm. out of the six times he ran. So I, I still need to uh, follow through on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried. I'm still willing to take him. And if I need speed around there, I think that's mm -hmm. perfect time to pick him up. Uh, Exit velocity, Moore. hard hit oh, percentage on Edmonds is a bit scary. That, that those are, those are the warning signs um, in his barrel percentage, 15th percentile in barrel percentage, 25th percentile hard hit percentage, 15th percentile in exit velocity. I give him a little bit of a pass um, because the Cardinals season was so weird. Um, it really was. I give a yeah, lot with, of with the Cardinals COVID. Yeah, a pass. Yeah, the COVID outbreak really, like... Having to play so put, many doubleheaders. Like it put, like, a two-week blip in their season, and then they were, like you said, doubleheadersville. Yeah, I want to say which, they played 11 doubleheaders in the last month. That's... That's a lot. Like, mm -hmm. even a young player can be affected by that. Like, that's – I know baseball is not the most strenuous of the of the major sports, right? But it's not easy either. Like, that, there's a reason there's a ton of injuries. It puts a lot on your body. And it's, and, it's uh, arguably the sport that um, has the most to do with rhythm. You get into yes. a rhythm. You do the same things every day. You get into these patterns – and when you get thrown off them, and we saw guys like J.D. Martinez and Javier Baez, you know, complain about, oh, I wasn't allowed to, you know, look at video. I wasn't allowed to get into these rhythms. So now think about a team like the Cardinals who, like, they were completely thrown off their rhythm. Oh, my um, God. Just all the doubleheaders in September. Yeah. And there were ones in August, too. Like, just all the doubleheaders they had from the time that they came back from their COVID situation through the rest of the year that's not a good way to get in rhythm yeah you're expecting the uh the standard day-to-day -day. you're playing two seven inning games a day it's tough so mm -hmm. yeah i'm not too worried about like he still hit five homers by the way so it was five and two um with the four cots after going 15 for 16 on the bases the year before Edmund did i i'm willing to give him a pass here and, and by the way since we've shifted to the two earlies from the two earlies to the uh, early NFBC data, I bet his ADP has changed. Let me see. Let me see where we had him in the second base preview, just real quick. And his and ADP we'll is dropping in NFBC. It's gone down um, from 133 to 144, so about 11 oh, spots over the last month. Good. I I will absolutely take a discount there on Tommy Edmond. Uh, you mentioned the eligibility. We've talked a lot about how eligibility is actually going to be kind of crazy this year, but he still excels in it mm -hmm. uh, more than a lot of guys. Yeah, he actually moved up from the two early mocks, but now you're saying he's moving down. Maybe he's moving back closer to the 177 
to 185 range that he kind of lived in. He had a little couple 200s. There was a 200 exactly and a 205 for Edmund uh, in those two early mocks. But yeah, I think he'll work his way closer into the 150 to 175 range. And he's at 144 Which right I, now. He's a huge buying opportunity. I, will, uh, I, I will like him at 144. For sure. I, I would pay 144. If I need steals right around there, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Didi Gregorius does not have a spot either. Right now, um, I think he showed that he, you know, he's back. He's himself. He was recovering from Tommy John in 2019. Never really got going. Um, I think if if you kind of watched, you understood that he was still working his way back from that. His core skills were still there in 19. In 20, he was able to get back on track and really show that he was the 2017-18 guy that we saw in DD. I think teams will be confident in buying into him. I think he gets a two, three-year deal somewhere, and he kind of is what he is. Um, I'm not taking him because Cronenworth's right there. And then, like I said, some guys in the next group that I like, but that has more to do with the other guys than it does Gregorius. I think he's perfectly capable as himself, 20-something homers, five to ten steals which is a wide range but he went seven three and ten mm-hmm. from 16 to 18 so i think i think you got to give him a little bit of a wide range there with a decent average and decent counting categories depending on where he goes gregorius is who he is just not for me though because there's other options i like yeah um there's some concerning things about dd gregorius's profile what do you think his where do you think he ranked in terms of exit velocity guess low now because you're concerned so um i still feel like he might have been pink but i'm gonna i'm gonna say something pinkish like 54th percentile try as blue as you can get two percentile in exit velocity eight percentile in hard hit percentage 19th percentile in barrel percentage wait so these are bad these are awful now, I mean, his K percentage and whiff percentage were great, you know? I mean, 97th percentile in K percentage, 85th percentile in whiff so percentage. a ton of contact, but a lot of it was sloppy, mm-hmm. weak contact. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, his zone contact percentage is almost 90%. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's there's some things to be concerned about. Uh, I mean, you know, and, I mean, he wasn't... If if you go by his outs above average for his defense, like twentieth percentile, like he wasn't even the you know really good defensive player that we kind of mm-hmm. expect from him. I I just don't think he's a special enough profile to to take him, um, especially kind of with some of these warning signs. Because if he is like I know he hit ten home runs in sixty games, and that is okay. Hey, you know maybe he's twenty five to you know twenty eight homers in a full season again. But if that, if those stat cast numbers are an indication that maybe he got a little bit lucky with the home runs this year, as opposed to, uh, you know, hey, this, this is a sign of things to come, then you're looking at a 15 home run guy. Yeah, that could be tough. You know, and it's not like he is a guy that typically gives you like a premium average. You know, he's got, he pops 280 here and there. But he also, 2019, you know, 238. Um, yeah, he's career 265 and kind of kind of bounces around that, that so, range there for DD. Like, and we and then we don't know where he's going to end up. And is he going to end up in a better park than he was in Philadelphia or New York? It seems unlikely. 
Um, so yeah, I think he's kind of an avoid for me right now. Okay, I, I don't. I, I like I said, I agree. Um, I didn't have the the same strength of reasoning that you did with regards to knowing that his stat cast was was so ugly for Gregorius. But yeah, same thing. I, I don't see a special profile, whereas I do see some in- intriguing profiles elsewhere. So I'm just not taking them at this price. But damn, yeah, there's a lot of blo- uh, a lot of blue in that stat cast profile. So you like you like that the contact is is where it needs to be uh, as far as volume of contact. Mm-hmm. But that was it. I'm kind of surprised he was able to get those ten homers in sixty games uh, in 2020. So we'll see where Gregorius lands. Nothing's really going to change that, though. He's just going to end up being a guy that I'll say, okay, someone got him. Yeah. I think it's going to end up fine, but it could really go south there. And then the last guy in this group is, of course, Cronenworth. And we can do an hour on him real quick. Just real quick. <laughs> just real quick. No, he, can we discuss him He's the antithesis of, uh, of D.D. Gregorius. I mean, you go and look at his stat cast profile, and you're like, okay, this is what I want to see. You yeah, know? that's what you want to invest in. Like, yeah. it's... Above average exit velocity, above average hard hit percentage, above average barrel percentage, and then elite in the XBA, XWOBA, whiff percentage, uh, you know, sprint speed. Um, I just think there are people who aren't going to believe it because he kind of came out of nowhere. He was an older prospect. Um, But with Profar gone in San Diego, I mean, he's got a role now, full time. Yes. You know, like there's no. I mean, I love Jorge Mateo, but I don't think Jorge Mateo has taken over second base from him. Uh, I think Jorge Mateo is probably just an outfielder now moving forward. So, yeah, um, yeah I think and this is surprisingly low considering um, what he could do. I mean, his, Check out this range. 129 to 212 for Cronenworth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's like a draft I was in. And a draft of people who hate me and specifically do the opposite of what I mm-hmm. would do. And, I mean, he that. is pretty stagnant in terms of where his ADP is moving. Um, you know, on my sheet, which was updated, I want to say yesterday um, or maybe the day before, I had him going up about three picks. But okay. since then, he's actually gone down two because um, they are down one pick. Uh, for you know, in terms of his ADP from October, so uh, obviously ADPs are super fluid right now. There, there's not a ton of drafts to work off of. I think mm-hmm. there's 28 drafts done on on NFBC. So I mean, things are going to move quite a bit here over the course of uh, the next you know few weeks. Uh, but I mean, he's still pretty you know kind of set at that 160 spot. I think that is a buying opportunity. Sorry, I was muted there. Uh, and I was sitting there talking to a muted microphone. Cool life. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Buying opportunity for sure. I would pay the 129 to be honest. That puts him in VR's spot. Um, I don't think I have to in most drafts, so I won't. But I, w- I would pay as high as that, and that would put him right around Correa and VR uh, ahead of Semyon, Edmund, and Gregorius in this group. And we know I'm, I'm interested in that. But I'll take my discount and enjoy Jake Cronenworth. Would you, take him, next... would you take him over Moustakis going at 131? Yes. Over yes. Chris Bryant, 135? Yes. Over, I mean, this is like, it, it's a it's a really kind of soft spot 
Um, so like one, you know, the one twenty nine to one, like Alex Verdugo, one twenty six. Yeah, I still, I still take Cronenworth. Um, I'm not even gonna ask you, Brian Bruxton. Uh, oh, Dylan Moore, one sixteen. Ooh, I, I would still take Cronenworth. Uh, Moore getting a lot of love. He came out of nowhere too, but he's getting a lot of that love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine. Let let him have it. I'll take Cronenworth instead. So yeah, I, I could really see myself pushing Cronenworth's ADP up a little bit just so that I get my guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll still be p- plenty comfortable with it. So if he's living in this 160s range, and I can kind of work off of that, depending on how things are going, fine by me for sure. Because I don't feel like the players you named there, I'm not missing too much by taking Cronenworth over them. I'm I'm completely happy with that. Would you take? Would you? Any of those guys that you definitely would not take Cronenworth over? No. I mean, I mean, Correa, I would take over Cronenworth, you know. Um, and... Yeah, I, I still would too. Um, but weirdly, considering he's 26 picks higher, I would take Cronenworth over Dansby. Yeah, I, I would too. Which just further explains why I won't have Dansby. It's, I like the player. The price just isn't just isn't there. I, right I now. think that Cronenworth should be going in that late one thirties to high one forty yep. spot. And I think that's where Dansby should be going as well. Like I think to- there, totally I think there is a shortstop kind of blob that um has been a little bit more spread out and I don't know if it will continue to kind of tighten or if we'll see this kind of disparity where Cronenworth is going, you know, two rounds or, you know, round and a half behind that 140 spot. Uh, but uh, I I think he deserves to be up there. Fun fact out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan VR went 94th in one of the 12 drafts oh, that man. I'm looking at here. I don't know. I'm sure you haven't listened to the pod from, uh, from Sunday with Jason, okay. but there's been some weird picks. Oh, um, I definitely have to check out. Um, I'm trying to remember who we were talking about where it was like, uh, God, some guy had gone 45th in a draft, but his ADP was like 160 something. Oh no! Um, oh, Dylan Moore is an interesting one. He, you know, it's an ADP of 116. His his min pick is 45. That may have been who we were talking about. Um, wow, 45. You know, Patrick Corbin's ADP is 157. Min pick of 58. Um, oh, oh! Here it is. It was Dalton Varsho. That's who we we're oh, no. talking about. So his ADP is currently one eighty-eight, uh, and his min pick was thirty-one. What? Yeah. See now, that's that's like that's not getting your guy. That's mm-hmm. just that's just being dumb. Mm-hmm. And I, I I've got to see if I can track down. The rest of that, you know, I, I I can't figure out who it was, who did it. Um, though I, I did, I did implore whoever uh, did it if they're listening to 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 you know, please tweet at me and talk. reach out. I'd love to hear the rationale because I always love hearing. You know, was it an auto draft? Was it hey you you put this guy in your queue? Uh, yeah, because you want to take him as a sleeper and then you fell asleep, um, which <laughs> happens. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, it happens to the best of us. And it's, you know, we saw this, uh, I can't remember if it was, two, I think it was 2019 with Julio Tehran yes. in a Rotorar online where championship where he went like 11th overall. 
because the guy put him in his queue as a guy to target late um, <laughs> and then was late to the draft. And um, so nobody else was in that queue. Yeah, and so got, you know, you know, just might as well have lit 350 bucks on fire. But um, I do I do find those kind of things interesting. You know, Chris Bassett, his, uh, you know, ADP 181, his uh, min pick 85. The VAR show is going to hold up for a while as the, the weirdest min yeah. pick. Yeah. I like Varsho, by the way, but not like that. Mm-hmm. I am not doing any of whatever the hell that is. Yeah, Daniel Hudson, ADP of 303, min pick 141. What? Closer, what? Yeah, closers are crazy right now. It oh, is, I, I can't I, even I, I can't wait for you to join a draft, um, you know, one of, like, these NFBC 50s. Um, and mm-hmm. just see what your reaction is to what the closing pool looks like right now. I'm scared to see how that's going to pan out. But uh, I'm going to be getting a draft soon, definitely. I, I want, I'm, I'm itching. I'm ready to get Let in. me know. I'll jump in with you. Okay, I definitely will. All right, uh, we're going to break up this last group here into two parts uh, so that we're not going two-plus hours. Uh, a little four-pack group here. Last chance starters slash premium middles. Haseon Kim, who we did discuss in the free agents, but we are going to discuss a little bit here. At 197, Jorge Polanco, 202. Andres Jimenez, 203. And Paul DeYoung at 220. And we did discuss Jimenez uh, at second base. So go find go find his discussion there. I'm going to have a link to the second base episode on the Tommy Edmond. Actually, I'll put it on next to all the guys in second base. Anyway. Let's start with Haseon Kim. Like I said, we did discuss him in the free agents. I'm super keen on this guy. I'm really excited to see Mm -hmm. where he lands. And this is one of the reasons I definitely want to have some winter drafts is because I want to get him before things go too crazy. I already have. Because (laughs) um, I am seeing that they they are uh, ranging up. He's got a huge split, too. I told you about that Cronenwar split where he's gone as high as 129. Uh, With Kim... He's ranging 111 to 270 right now mm-hmm. with the, with a 201 uh, or excuse me with a 197 ADP. Wow! Uh, so he's got his believers, and then you know there was a draft in there when he went 270 where nobody knew who the hell he was. Like right, that has to be the explanation for that uh, because otherwise he should not be going that late. Coming over from KBO, 25 years old. Power speed superstar in the middle infield. Every team should be interested in Ha Seung Kim, as we discussed in that free agent preview. What do you think of this ADP? I mean, it's hard to really get a read on it because it's truly an average. He's not really mm-hmm. going in that range. He's either high or low, it seems, depending on the the draft group you're with. No. Yeah, I popped him at 207 in my most recent draft. Oh, that's so nice. So it was the 18th round of a 12 teamer. Um, and I had kind of missed out, uh, on a lot of the middle options, um, and, uh, or, you know, at that point, and I was just looking for some upside, some stolen bases, uh, and, I mean, it's so hard to figure out where he's going to project power-wise when he comes over, but the one thing I'm pretty sure he's going to do is steal a lot of bases. 
Mm-hmm. Um, depending on, obviously, depending on where he ends up and whether sure. the team allows that. But, I mean, we assume that if some team is going to pay the posting fee and then give them a, you know, a decent-sized contract, they're going to be willing to um, uh, let him run a little bit because it is a huge part of his profile. Uh, so I think, um, I mean, he was, what, 23 for 25 on the base paths during the 2020 season um, for the for the uh, KBO heroes. Um, it's I mean these guys are so difficult and I'm I'm you know I've seen him more than I would traditionally have seen a KBO product because we were all watching KBO. Yes, you know <laughs> in the middle of the night um, so we could see Alex Fast and, and, and Jeff Erickson on the TV. Um, Which was cool. Uh, and play DFS and kind of get some baseball in our lives when everything was shut down. I, I mean, he he walks, which is great. He does not strike out. I mean, we're talking... No, great play profile. I mean, he has not had a strikeout rate over 14.1% since 2015. And this past season with the Heroes, he had more walks than strikeouts. 12% yep. to 11%. And so he added I mean, power. Amazing. So, I mean, yes. he, hit, he hit 30 home runs. He had never hit previously. He had never hit more than uh, uh, 23. He was more like in a 19 to 20 kind of home runner, home run guy. And then added some power this year. And, I mean, makes some sense. He's 25. He's kind of grown into his body. I think he's probably like a 15, 25 guy um, okay. with a good average and you know we're talking maybe like 280 um and a better obp because i think he will continue his like double digit walk rate mm-hmm. um and it, that is pure speculation and like i said i am not the guy to project out from the kbl like go talk to tim mcleod um go talk to tom musa talk to some of these guys who cover fantasy baseball here but also you know are really into the kbo alex fast you know got really into it yeah. Um, but if he's going around pick 200, he's going to be on a lot of my teams. Same. Uh, that's the thing with Kim. Um, I can't imagine he stays there though. Cause as soon, I mean, he, no. he was posted yesterday. Um, so I think that means he's got 10 days, you know, to work out a contract. Um, so and, we're going to know signs and everyone starts to know him mm-hmm. and he's going to go up 50 spots. Him. Yeah. He's, he, he's going to go in that. Marcus Simeon, Tommy Edmond, Gregorius, Cronenworth area, and I'm Guess still what? willing to I'm take still it. Still going to pay that, yeah, <laughs> easily. Um, like this, I'm 25 years old can do everything. Yeah, he's not going to come over and go 30, 23, 306 in 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 the states. No, I don't think he's going to do that off rip. But you got to love the profile, and I think at worst he should steal, like you said. Mm-hmm. So even if he came over and the power didn't quite translate, and he hits like 12 homers. But has twenty five steals with a two eighty, that's Tommy Edmund. And, and I mean, someone will you know undoubtedly correct me who covers KBO or knows KBO better than me. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's a very good defensive player too. That makes it even better. Um, like just that yeah. much more appealing too. Yeah, which means he'll be on the field um, every day. So even if he does struggle at times, they're going to give him a chance to work it out because he should be able to provide pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be interested in him 
even the the lowest end teams. Tigers, Mariners should be right there because this is a chance to get such a high impact player who is so young. Mm-hmm. Now, for fantasy purposes, I don't think we want him to go <laughs> there. We'd rather he go to a, a more contending team. But just looking at it from a full baseball standpoint, I think everybody should really be interested in uh, in Kim. So, where would you we'll, take him in terms of like a first year player draft? Um, with with the folks that were drafted. Yeah. So, like, I mean, obviously, I think you're taking Spencer Torkelson over him, but then I think he starts becoming interesting. I was gonna say I take him number one overall. Oh, okay. Because he's going to be up and playing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of dynasty experience, so maybe mm-hmm. I'm just tripping. But I think a lot of people get stuck playing for the future forever. Mm-hmm. I think you're just taking Torkelson over him, because I think Torkelson is a special bat that's going to Tor- be... Tork's a G, yeah. Yeah, that's um, going to be ready pretty quick. But I think then, like, I, I, I don't think... I, I think unless you are really looking at, like, your team is atrocious... Um, and you're really building for the long haul. But even then, I mean, you if he comes in and hits even moderately what we expect him to do, if he does a 15-25, you can turn and flip him. That's the thing. If Yeah, if you still weren't that close, you could say, all right, got a 25-year-old piece here. Let me get three, four more pieces for him now that he has proven that. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, okay, I can get behind Torque first because, you know, college product – don't think he's going to spend too much time in the minors. He should be up ready to contribute pretty soon too mm-hmm. for the Tigers. But yeah, like um, Heston Kierstead, no, no Austin he... Martin, no Nick right. Gonzalez. Those were the next three hitters. Thing. I'm not taking a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're starting to you know discuss. Okay, is you want him or Austin Martin? You want him or Nick Gonzalez? You want him or Zach Veen? Um, and I just, I don't think, I mean, I think Veen could be really interesting, especially in Colorado. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think it's Torkelson and then it's Kim if you're a first-year player drafts. And, and maybe yeah. I need to have, a, you know, a prospect guy who, you know, maybe I'll have James Anderson or something like that come on the pod um, and tell, you know, or we'll have Ian, you know, um, on the pod and, and, and ask them. Because they're definitely yeah. more in, I mean, I play a lot of Dynasty, but... I'm not as in tune on on these, you know, uh, no, I think that's a great high school bats. That's a great question. Yeah, like where where would they value Kim among these hitters that it came in? Because it was a decent hitting class, but some of them are high schoolers too. You know, um, Veen could be great in Colorado, but he's a high schooler, mm-hmm. so that means he's 15 years from the Rockies even liking him. Yeah, <laughs> that's the tough part. You know, 15 years from them blocking him. Yeah, yeah. And, and then another four on top of that before he finally gets a chance to play. Mm-hmm. So you're you're a long way out on him. Uh, you know, Hassel, also a high school product for the Padres. Um, but Austin Martin, Nick Gonzalez, they were really intriguing. So, yeah, it's definitely an open question there for Kim after Torque. I, I, don't, I don't think it's out of bounds to go over Torque, but you sold me. I think I would go Torque there as well. But then Kim, really, really like Kim got to get in some winter drafts to make sure i get them before the price goes too mm-hmm. high because i can see it going up i i'm with you at least 50 picks there's a chance for more yeah like yeah. if the hype goes really bananas and excitement really driven up the right team signs him i think he's in that correa vr range 
126 to 130 area. So yeah. we'll see how that goes with Kim. Uh, Jorge Polanco, 202. Boring season. Uh, bad. <laughs> bad boring. Four, four of each, four homers, four steals, 258 average. The slash was really bad, 80 WRC+, plus, thanks to a 304 OBP and a 354 slug. Um, coming off a 22 homer season, shaved almost 100 points off of his ISO, not something you really want to do. Short season blip or a a regression that uh, needs to be heated with Polanco. This was his worst ISO as a major leaguer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this stands out as pretty bad. I'm inclined to give it some give it some leeway here. I'm not fully out on Polanco personally. Where do you stand on Jorge Polanco? I think Polanco is an example of uh, one of these guys that's really hurt by a short season, um, especially because he tends to be kind of a compiler. Uh, Taking volume is related things. Yep. Yeah, and so he doesn't have the time to compile. Um, so, like, I, I think that. You know, there there are definitely concerning things to his profile as well. I mean, his exit velocity was 16th percentile, barrel percentage, 8th percentile. Um, you know, he, you know he doesn't strike out, which is great. You know, whiff percentage, 91 percentile, K percentage, 86 percentile, enough good speed. I just don't know that he is special necessarily I, and I think he's, he's not he's kind of going where he should be going I think he, you know um I think he's kind of one of those middle options where you go yeah okay you know shouldn't DD be here then like isn't this yes, DD this, this is exactly profile? where like DD should be and that's why I won't take DD mm-hmm. even though I love him as a player fun guy like I love the personality and everything but I can't do it when Polanco's here 50 picks later I would just take Polanco because yeah. I think he's going to rebound so yeah I totally agree with you there um, do you still like this Minnesota lineup? I mean, not as much as I thought I did coming into last year, um, especially yeah. if Nelson Cruz isn't back. Which I, I was going to say, it ended up underperforming, and now Cruz is a free agent. However, Alex Kiroff's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That, I mean, that Ross Reese, a, yeah, Roster Resource has him in you know the starting lineup as the DH. I don't know mm-hmm. if that he'll be there on opening day, because I'm sure they'll play the service time games with him. Because um, I don't believe he was one of those guys that signed a contract. So I think you'll get, you know, two or three weeks of, of Jake Cave. Um, Jake Cave, hi. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Sounds like a actor's name. But you wonder, like, at what point do they start bringing up some of these prospects in, in Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov? Yep. Um, and maybe that's the route they go with as opposed to going and getting another big free agent, um, you know, on an affordable deal. Uh, but, I mean, I, th- I think that you would hope that they are looking at this as part of their window. I agree, but I, I don't think that necessarily means that they need to sign anybody offensively. Mm-hmm. No, I don't I think, think they need to. E- e- even losing the wonderful crews, I think they can make that up. Uh, in terms of development mm-hmm. of players, you know, whether it's a Kirloff himself or just some improvements from certain guys, uh, Polanco himself getting back on track, Buxton, you know, maybe finally staying healthy, things like that. Um, so they can kind of piece it together to, to replace the production or at least uh, 
uh, emulate the production of crews. Maybe pitching is where they say, hey, our window's open, let's mm-hmm. bring in Do we want somebody. Devin Smeltzer as our fifth starter, or do we want to bring in a... Tanaka. <sighs> I think Tanaka fits really well with them. Like, he's not elite, Mm-mm. but Maeda, Barrios, Tanaka, Pineda, Dobnik. Yeah. That's a worthy five. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that their money is better spent there. Even though I love Cruz, I still think he's a total beast. I think if they're pinching pennies, you go pitching and let Lewis, Kirloff, Trevor Larnock be the impact for, for 2021 mm-hmm. um, versus bringing in Cruz and and kind of running it back with the offense. Uh, but yeah, as far as Polanco goes, I think he's going to rebound more more or less to, to 2019. Maybe a f- couple fewer homers. Maybe it's over skis there. So give me uh, 17 homers, four to six steals. You know, he's not a huge steals guy, but a good average and good counting numbers. I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it over Gregorius going 50 picks higher. Andres Jimenez, we discussed at second base. Since then, Cano has uh, gotten in trouble and really yeah, cleared. Yeah. Now, we already had, you know, when we discussed it, you had Jimenez getting the job, so you already mm-hmm. liked him. You spoke well of him with Rosario getting hit. This, uh, if they get the DH, as we assume, this opens things back up for Rosario because mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the machinations that would occur would bring Rosario back on the field there with the, uh, with the Cano issue. But either way, you shouldn't have to worry too much about Jimenez now that, now that Cano's gone. And then we finish today... With a a friend, Paul DeYoung, <laughs> a long term friend who we've discussed at length, and you know what? He's down here again, man. He's down deep in the depths uh, of of shortstop ADP at two twenty because he was bad. Uh, he had he had a really rough season, and I'm wondering how much stock you put into that, and if you still like Paul DeYoung because he's a He's a Justin Mason special. In fact, mm-hmm. I forget where he was being discussed the other day randomly oh. in an outlet, and somebody actually said he's a Justin Mason. It wasn't even something that you were involved in, and somebody was mentioning that you would be uh, you'd be prone to taking such a player. So, where do you stand on a 27 year old De Young coming off an ugly uh, little two month stint that, like you said, was disjointed for the Cardinals? Though, yeah, so giving those guys a little bit of of a past. How much of a past does De Young get? He gets a lot of a past, I think. I mean, okay. it was just such a weird season uh, for for DeYoung. Um, and I think he is going to be, you know, kind of back to what he has been, which is probably like, you know, a mid to high 20s home run guy that has some, you know, st- stolen bases uh, that go along with it. You know, maybe it's five stolen bases and 26 home runs, something like that, 250 batting average. Um, yeah, I mean, I just give a lot of these Cardinals bats just a lot of leeway for 2020 and really throw a lot of it out. So, uh, I think this is a really good spot for him. You know, if, if I'm, if if for some reason I've missed out on all the other shortstop options and we start getting around pick 200 and, you know, Kim is gone uh, on, you know, Jimenez is, uh, gone. Uh, I'm going to really start thinking about Paul DeYoung. Uh, it's my short back to an old flame. Mm-hmm. Turn back to Paul DeYoung. Yeah, I, I, I would too, though. I would see that as a nice power outlet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went 30-9 and nine back in 2019. Now, the 9 came out of nowhere. He had two career steals to that point. 
He went one for one in 2020. Do not bet on the nine. Don't even bet on five. Mm-hmm. The 30 is what I really like. Uh, if you've got that nine tacked on, that'd be great. But 30 homers this late, even with a challenged batting average, I'm open to it. I don't think he's toast. He's improved his defense so nicely over the last couple of years. That secures his spot de- defensively. Which is weird. His, his outs above average is two percentile. Interesting. What's, it, and it is. it goes to show you the differences of what defensive metrics measure mm-hmm. because that's 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 measuring the outs specifically in terms of like route and mm-hmm. efficiency and all that and then there's other metrics that are you know i don't even know the underneath uh, uh makings of them and he rates well mm-hmm. so two two month defensive numbers by the way i'm not sure i could care less yeah, about no. them yeah. so i'm not even that worried about his outs above average but uh, I don't think he's coming off the field for defense at any time soon. No. Uh, barring like a case of the yips. So even with a rough outs above average, I think the Cardinals probably see that he was 97th percentile in 2019 and now it's above average. They're not too worried about whatever whatever the hell happened there mm-hmm. in, uh, in, nine, in 2020. The, the batting categories were, uh, the, the power ones were pink. But then a lot of blue mm-hmm. in his profile. Forty-five games. I, I, I'm just not putting like. Here's the thing: the reason I'm not counting a, a ton of it and, and like harping on it is because it's built into the price. Yeah. And so to then say, well, here also consider this. I think you start to get into double counting things like mm-hmm. that. It's worth acknowledging. Hey, this is why he's picked two twenty for Paul DeYoung, but. Don't then say, well, he should be cheaper because of it, too. No, no, no. That's why he's so cheap uh, is because it was really bad. So, yeah, I think that's – who's your favorite between – well, I think it's Kim. It's Kim, yeah. Okay, but then – okay, Polanco, Jimenez, DeYoung. They're in like a tight Mm. 15, 20-pick range. So they're they're more or less similar. So who would you take there if price was essentially equal? You came to pick 220, and all three are still available. Who are you going for? And and your team construction does not matter. I think I'm taking Jimenez um, right now. The Mets could sign 17 guys. True. Um, They could sign LeMahieu and muck it all up. Yeah, and and really mess up Jimenez. But right now, as we speak, you know, the multi-position eligible uh, player uh, who's got, you know, a little bit more speed... um, you know, that could easily change and it becomes DeYoung. But Polanco's definitely at the bottom of those three. Okay. I agree with... I'm fine with Polanco being the last of the bunch. I think I would take DeYoung first, but uh, I'm doing more research on him, and as I did it after our last one, I'm, I'm still keeping a close eye on him, because I, I hadn't really considered him too much, and then when you spoke so well, I was like, hmm... Let me uh, let me be a little bit more in tune with what's going on here. Then the Cano thing happened. I moved him up the board a little bit, so I'm coming around on Jimenez. But uh, yeah, we'll cap it there. Uh, another big group of, uh, of shortstops in the books. We'll be a little bit more quick, uh, a, little bit, a little bit quicker, I should say, with the uh, remaining group. It'll be one more part. We're not doing two more parts. I know. I know you want to talk about Ramon Urias going pick 744. Oh man, you, you got some big takes on him, but we're gonna have to wait. Okay. That's going to have to be for a fictional pod that's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, and you can talk about him as much as you want. No, we're going to talk about shortstops. 
23 through the rest, through 50 next time. Like, a lot of them are going to be, you know, if you have one sentence to say about Anderson Tejada or uh, Nick Ahmed, then you can. Actually, I'll have, I'll the, have the words. The ER, Adrian's an uh, hour. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, I know you got tons to say about mm-hmm. him. You have some big Pat Valaika takes that mm. I know you want to get out I there. I really do. So we will. Uh, we will get. Cu- we will get that done. Part three of shortstops on Thursday. Justin, have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. <laughs>